Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, we is recording. All right, and uh, let's not fanny about... This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Oh, well, we've, got, we've got two lots of sheep there. Because they, that's the sound of a recorder. Doesn't it just? It makes me think of junior school and short trousers and muddy knees. It really does. Because, folks, this is Dumby Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that are centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the forgetful and late Royfield Brown. Yes, this show almost didn't happen because I forgot we were doing it. <laughs> I'm joined by the rock star famous... Angela Barnes. And the last part of this almost forgotten show, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumby Dum is from Andrew Horn blowing his horn of sorts. It's his wonderful old recorder. Now, Angela, if anybody else in the world of Dumby Dum would like to send us in a Dumby Dum or even become a caller in, how can they do that? If you'd like to leave us your thoughts, a Dumpty Dum or a plot prediction, or change your entire family's business model to get a definite shag, then leave us a message on SpeakPipe via Dumpty or call us on 0203 031 3105. This week we need to thank Shambridge for her amazing voices, uh, Cosmo for his episode roundups, and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. On this week's episode we have calls from... Auntie Jean, Kitty, Dusty Substances and Glyn, full of love. But first, before the caller in us, it's Lucy V. Freeman's week in Ambridge, isn't it? No, Angela. she's oh. not here and, and I've been busy and I haven't written one. Right. OK, smashing. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> is this possibly, is this going to be the most shambolic episode of Dumpty Dum ever? If so, I'm proud to be involved. <laughs> and there's some very early Lucy and I did, which were very bad. So anyway. <laughs> Last week in Ambridge, uh, what do you reckon? What will your standout with? Well, the whole Tom and Natasha and Hannah thing is, um, I mean, how is Tom getting two women? Like, the most boring man in Christendom. Mm, um, is he the most boring man in Christendom? Because what Tom does display is a certain level of earnestness, which, you know, many, many a person uh, find that uh, laudable. So it's not as if he can't work, doesn't want to work. You know, that in and of itself is attractive. Is he dynamic? Uh, not no, so much. can't even choose a jacket to wear, for goodness sake. I mean, 
and I, I don't know, maybe he's really hot. We don't know, you know, he might be really hot. He might have a good body and look really hot. It's, there's got to be something because, I don't know about you, uh, Royce, but just banging on about... Pause when he says, I don't know about you, yeah. pause, Royce. Had you forgotten my name? No, no, there's no pause. As if I forgot, how could I possibly forget who I was talking to? I reckon you had, but anyway. <laughs> uh, right, so... Let's move on from the Sausage King just now, right? Okay. Uh, because I, I, I think there's there's a couple of calls about that. Um, Roy and Lexi, it's definitely over. Yeah. It was quite, what was quite, I will give Tom this. His like little phone call to Roy was quite sweet. And we've all been at the, you know, the wrong end of a relationship breakup. And what you need is your friends. Yeah. And, and that was some, somewhat, uh, somewhat nice and soothing to hear. And also, you know, Roy does have this mini support system around him, doesn't he? Even though he doesn't yeah. quite appreciate it. He does have Linda, who her social antenna is generally quite good for these type of things. And, of course, then there's Kirsty as well. You know, Kirsty was there t- basically telling him, don't chase after her. Uh, you know, she's moved out. Uh, yeah. She obviously wants a clean break. And as you said last week, you know, Lexi saying to him all the time, um, I do love you, or at least... It's feeling that she has to say that. Saying that. It's just not yeah. helpful. No, no, no. Definitely, definitely. Um so so that, that that's I our Roy. When Kirsty said to I think she said to Linda, was it, you know, uh, oh Roy's broken up with Lexi, so you know, anything work related, go to Kathy. I thought, good luck. <laughs> find exactly. her. <laughs> Where do you think Kathy actually is? You know, stuck in a broom cupboard somewhere. It's been locked in a sauna for two years. I don't know. Two years, more like four and a half, I reckon. Talking wow. um, about uncomfortableness, um, Hannah and Neil, how do you think that's all bubbling along? Well, it, oh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you can see why Neil feels put out. And I think if you are, you know, he was off sick, but if you're acting manager, I think your job is to keep things ticking over, not to bring in new initiatives you know that's really cheeky and really naughty but on the other hand um when Neil said you know why didn't you phone me it's like well you were off sick like you can't have you know she was she was doing what she was supposed to do but Mm. yeah I'd be cross if I was Neil that somebody's come in and they're not just maintain the status quo while I've been away but they've just changed everything changing rotors and spending 50 quid on a new bit of kit oh 50 quid on a what was it? Dried food? Oh, who cares? No one. <laughs> but, but that in a, in and of itself was a perfect encapsulation of seeing this thing from both sides, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, when Neil was asked, well, how much did it cost? He goes, 50 quid. And you think, well, come on, Neil, get, get, get your act together. But you know she's done it deliberately as a little marker. Yeah. It's all, it's all positioning herself with Justin, isn't it? For, you know, if Neil retires. Cause let's face it, he's getting on a bit. Um, it's not that old. It's only fifty plus. Well, yeah, but you know, if he finds the pressure of it too much, or uh, I, I don't know, for somebody who's never been in a managerial position with that amount of responsibility, he might not last that long. Mm. You know, well, just um, herself with Justin that she's the obvious successor. I don't like the fateful note that you're. Uh, uh, reaching for on this podcast, Barnes. If it's not politics, then it's doom and gloom. I, I'm not happy about it. But um, I can imagine that in the world of stand-up comedy, yeah, there must be some 
dodgy characters, you know, people who are like, you know, quite Machiavellian. Oh, God, uh, yeah. Who's the Hannah that, tell us about some of the Hannahs that you've encountered on your way. <laughs> think, to in any, well, in any industry, those people exist, don't they? Because they exist all over the world. I think particularly in creative and competitive industries, because, you know, something like stand-up comedy or acting or art, any of those things where, you know, it's the sort of thing that a lot of people would love to do, but there's just not room for everybody. And it's, mm-hmm. a, you know, it's a meritocracy to a point, but then there's always going to be 10 people for every job, you know. So some people will resort to to what I call pulling up the ladder behind them, you know, to make sure that they get to the top or or just, you know, not caring who they tread on on the way up as long as they get there. And um, there's definitely a lot of that about. I couldn't possibly name names. I'd be... I'm far too uh, ladylike. In the industry of podcasting, Roy Field Brown, I've definitely pulled up that ladder after me. No, nobody else doing an Archers fan podcast after I've set this up, I tell you. That's it. No way, mate. You're up there now. No fucker is coming anywhere near this This, <laughs> this topic. The amount of effort I've put in. Um, right. What, where else are we? Um how are you on the play? Because we've had, you know, the loads of Canterbury Tales nonsense last week. And I must admit, when I hear that stuff, I just kind of let my eyelids close and I just have a little bit of a... I have to be honest, I am really struggling to care about Chaucer. Chaucer doesn't feel very festive to me. Mm. Like, I'm, And I love that, you know, I'm, I'm definitely from the camp of people who loves the fate, who loves the flower and produce show and who loves the Christmas production. That Those to me are the things I that make the archers the archers, you know, and I love that stuff. And and if this really is going to be Linda's final production, which I'm like 99% sure it won't be, but if it is her swan song, then Chaucer at Christmas. I can't think of anything more tedious. It does feel heavy going, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I did Chaucer, and I know Chaucer is quite funny and rude and irreverent, particularly for the time when it was written, you know, but I just, I don't know. Mm. Chaucer in a barn, I don't think I'd buy a ticket. How is your Middle English? Uh, not great, I'd say. It used to be a lot better because I did linguistics at university. God, you are. So I used to be around, that was a long time ago. I feel like such a fraud doing this podcast, you know. I really do. Everyone is so smart. Everyone's got BAs, MAs, and just like well-read. And I just read Spider-Man all the way through my childhood. I don't know anything about comics. So I always feel like, when because everyone talks about comics and Marvel Universe and all that, and I don't know what they're talking about. Has it actually stopped you progressing professionally? The fact that you don't know who created, who who's the first artist of Spider-Man? Yeah, well, I know Stan Lee. Well, he wrote it. He didn't draw it. Oh, right. Okay. See, I didn't know that. I knew he was involved. <laughs> but but, but there, there's, there's my point. It's not stopped you professionally. Not been not knowing anything about Middle English stopped you. Yeah, because I can't write to save my life. There's a reason why I've ended up podcasting because you know what, my English, my written English is absolutely, as they would say colloquially, piss poor. Right. Uh, so so I would say yes, it a- absolutely has. But anyway. <laughs> And I don't think that holds you back. I know some great writers who are dyslexic or, you know, really struggled at school, but are brilliant writers. You've got a good mind. But they all went off to uni, though, didn't they? Which is something that Josh didn't do, right? Josh Archer. Uh, But his younger brother, Ben, still might. Just so this doesn't turn into the Let's Talk About Myself show. What is going to be 
the family dynamic between those Archer siblings. So you've got Pip, Josh and Ben. What do you reckon it's going to be? What type of characters are Ben going to be now? He's properly been introduced into the Archers. And allowed to have a personality. I think Ben gets overshadowed by Josh, clearly. Mm. I think um, it was quite interesting, the whole stuff with cleaning the barn and Josh helping and Ben saying, well, what's he want? What's he want in return? Absolutely. So there's a real, there's this real thing that Josh is purely transactional. He doesn't do anything without some kind of gain, does he? He's always got a name. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. There was that lovely um, exchange between Ben and Jill I thought was really nice. Yes, the whole lovely exchange about about Bess and looking after yeah. and not mollycolling Bess too much. He's got, you know, she's a work dog, though he completely just like nuked himself by then spoiling her himself yeah. afterwards. Um, yeah. Talking about people being spoiled, uh, Jennifer wanted to spoil Brian for his birthday. Um, <laughs> I must admit, Brian and Will are one of those relationships which you always feel slightly uncomfortable because Will is forever tugging his forelock, isn't he? He's just, you yeah. know, he really is. Brian is the squire. He's the gamesman. I know my place, blah, blah, blah. But you saw within it, within that whole episode, the whole scene, uh, Brian feeling like he's been put out to pasture, but no, he still has some use. Um, Will... Normally very competent, but, you know, a worrier when it comes to the bloody shoot. Um, needed Brian's help. Brian felt useful. Uh, and also that you, you, you kind of got uh, the nuance of their kind of relationship, that it isn't all just uh, toilet uh, tugging. Toilet flogging? Good. Toilet flogging. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something very different. Absolutely, or absolutely. Isn't it a little bit too early for us to be talking about toilet flogging? <laughs> Yeah, I do think you're right. I think it's very telling that even though he's not his boss anymore, he still goes to him. Because previously I would have said, oh, he's just a suck up, you know, and he's. Mm. But the fact he go- it's not his boss anymore, but it's still Brian he goes to shows there was something a bit more to that relationship, maybe. Absolutely. That they were, you know, he had genuine respect for. Absolutely. And, and the respect is actually both ways as well. Yeah. Because Brian has helped uh, Will out, especially when Will lost his wife, etc. And, you know. Uh, but, and then- yeah. About what's his name, the horrible one, when he tried to make yes. Will go back to yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. I've just got that Brian quote that I've written down because I, I may be 75, but the magic is still there. A little bit of sick came up there. <laughs> it was just a bit of a journey. I may be 75, but the magic is still there. It was, oh, Brian. Was it sick that came up for old Brian, do you reckon? <laughs> Right, you know what we're going to do, right? Because I know we are talking at breakneck speed, or at least I am anyway, because I know you've got to be somewhere in precisely 32 minutes and we haven't done any of these. So I'm going to press this button and something quite magical is going to happen. Hello, Ambridge3962. First off, it's our Kitty. She's a first-time caller in her associates. Hello, I'm Kitty. First-time caller in her, long-time listener. I am in deepest, darkest West Wales. I think I've been listening to the podcast for a few years now. I remember starting to listen to it because I was uh, desperate to have some kind of interaction with someone else going through uh, the terror of Rob and the Rob and Helen storyline. I just had a baby, so I was very raw. So thank you, 
uh, your podcast helped me through a very difficult time in my Archer's listening experience. I can't remember the first uh, character that came in, but I think um, I remember Nigel falling off the roof. So I've been listening to the Archers since my mid twenties when it was considered quite uncool at the time. Uh, I'm not sure what it is now. My prediction at the moment is that uh, Russ is going to come running back to Lower Loxley and move in with uh, Lily and uh, annoy everyone. And he is actually a worse character, I find, than any of the other uh, characters. Uh, Obviously, I hate Hannah like everyone else, but uh, I think Russ has the potential to be deeply annoying. Uh, And then I think that Freddie is going to come out of prison and he is going to either have a big fallout with Lily or something like that. Uh, That's my prediction at the moment. I don't know what's going to happen with Hannah, but I think it's a very interesting storyline. And every time I start to get really annoyed about Hannah, I just remembered how bad it was with Rob. So I'd still prefer Hannah anytime. And that's it. Oh, welcome. Welcome, welcome, our kitty. Um, so if she's been listening since Nigel fell off the roof, Henry was born that same night, wasn't he? So she must be a Henry. Oh, you're good. You Yeah, are I think that's the reason I was here. Oh, my God. Because you know what I was going to say? Do you know what I was going to say? What were you going to say? I was going to say, right, we have the ideal listener, Cosmo, um, who can yes. draw up an, an Excel spreadsheet because he's an accountant and a details person who could actually plot for us um, which characters were introduced approximately when, chronologically. Wow. So I'm putting the call out to you, Cosmo, potentially also to Mike Hatton as well. All right. Draw up a spreadsheet right, with the, the years on one side and when characters were introduced on the other. And I'm sure neither of them have got anything better to do with their days. Cosmo's not. I don't know about Mike. Mike might actually have a job. But Cosmo, all he's doing is sailing the ocean blue in, in, an, in an ocean-going liner with him and his <laughs> So he's absolutely got the time to do this. And then we can put it on the website. And if you're a first-time caller in if you're unsure of the major character that you can remember coming into the, into the docu-soap, you can just refer back to this page and then go right it's um 1981 so i am a, a marjorie antrobus or it's 2011 i'm a henry archer boom then there is no confusion whatsoever what do you reckon i think that'd be great a little bit of cross cross referencing and we're in absolutely in like Flynn. Now, here's another person who hasn't been in recently. Uh, we, we kind of missed her, but here she is. It's our Auntie Jean. Hello, everyone. Yeah. It's Auntie Jean here. Haven't called in for a bit because I've been very, very behind with both the Archers and Dumpty Dum, for which I apologise. Um, I have managed to catch accepted. up now, and I'd just like to say, Tom, giving Roy advice about his love life, really? I don't think so. And how it's all going to end up in tears for horrible... Hannibal, because obviously she's more into Tom than she's letting on, but that won't be such a bad thing in my opinion. I don't like her. Um, she's also, that is horrible Hannibal, after Neil's job without a question. So I can see that nice bit of salary coming in for Susan and her, and her husband's management job going down the drain pretty quick. Um, and as for Lily and Russ, is everybody else finding Russ really creepy or is it just me? 
because he sounds oh it's horrible i don't like the don't like the chap at all it's, it's like revisiting rob titchener all over again um but lily let's face it is not enjoying university she's realized she's made a mistake and it wouldn't surprise me at all if she ends up running lower doctor or at least helping her mother to do that and um, presumably geraldine was only given a voice briefly because we'll never hear from her ever again um so i think that's about it really um i dare say that the Christmas show will be hilarious if it ever gets going, especially in a freezing cold barn, because I would think 100% of the cast will be down with flu before we get to Christmas, um, sitting in a, a cold, rat-infested barn. <laughs> All right, then. Well, that will be me for now, and I will no doubt speak to you again in the future. hope everybody's well. Bye-bye. Bye, Auntie Jean. I love Auntie Jean. Oh, don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, I saw a big-ass rat wandering down uh, the mission the other day. Like, And it wasn't even scared. Like, This thing was just totally comfortable with being out at twilight and having humans walk around it. It was the size of a cat. I couldn't believe it. This rat was big. Why did you suddenly think of rats? Because the rat-infested barn. Were you not listening? Oh, no, sorry, I, just, I completely missed the connection. I thought, why did Auntie Jean make you think of a rat? No, <laughs> it's, I'm a professional podcast host. I make links all the time, love. <laughs> Good job one of us is a professional. Well, yes. Now, on the Hannah scale of hate, uh, where are you? I'm, I'm not as extreme as some because I remember Rob. So I... I I think that she's somebody who I would find annoying and that if she was sort of within a, my social circle, I'd probably keep at arm's length, mm. you know. But I I don't know. We'll see where it ends up with her, I guess. I mean, I felt for a bit when Tom came back, you know, was sort of giving her details about Tom really is clueless when it comes to, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter how loose an arrangement he has with Hannah, you don't come back and just... Describe your night of passion with this other person. Well, it wasn't exactly a blow-by-blow descriptor, was it? But I, but I do hear you. He is he, tone deaf, but she is much more manipulative than him. Tom can't see further than the nose on his face, and that's where it yeah. comes somewhat at a disadvantage. And he's taken a completely and utterly at face value. God, how many more cliches can I come up with in, in like? <laughs> Good heavens! I I tell you what, I I need to go go eat a lexicon. I really do and get some new <laughs> new phrases. Talking about uh, lexicons, it again Lexicon Valley, folks. If you are into the English language, if you're excited about Chaucer and the Canterbury Tales, um, if you if you like things of a literary bent, go listen to the podcast Lexicon Valley. There's a rather good one this week, and John talks about the in fentanylization um of uh, the english language has social media dumbed dumb down the english language and i won't tell you what his answer is but it, it was a surprise to me uh now any podcasts you want to quickly plug uh what am i listening to at the moment oh i really like there's a podcast called heavyweight have you listened to that oh, no 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 heavyweight and it's this guy his name's jonathan goldstein and he basically he um people contact him who have something weighing on their mind from their past, like maybe an argument they had with a school friend or something that happened when they were younger that they never 
got to the bottom of it. And he helps them sort of find out what really happened and get to the bottom of it. It's really good. Good heavens, that sounds excellent. Yeah, it's really funny. And they're just quite short episodes as well, so you can plough through them quite quickly. Tell you what, one of the biggest mistakes in my life was uh, telling Mr Higgs I didn't want to play football uh, for Green Home Seniors um, in the in the fourth year juniors. I regret that decision every day of my life. I kid you not. It was- oh, bless you. It sounds like you need to contact Jonathan Goldstein. I, I, you know what? I really, I don't understand my psyche, that playtime, when it was me, Richard Shannon, Mark Plant, and we were walking around, and we were talking about uh, the game that we needed to play tomorrow, which was going to be Saturday. And they were talking and talking. And I just thought, I don't want to do this anymore. So I went up to Mr. Higgs and I resigned from the football team. And then on Monday, I said, Mr. Higgs, I've changed my mind. He says, Brown, you've made your bed. You have to lie in it. Oh, mate. Yeah. Oh, that's really heartbreaking. You could have been an England player. Well, no, because I'm only five foot seven and I was the goalie. So I would never have made goalie for England. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, can I, while we're doing, we, we sort of come slightly off topic, can I do another quick podcast plug? Yeah, go. My, my friend, um, my friends, Phil Jared and Phil Lucas, they're incredibly funny men. And they, I think you'd really like this one, Roy Field. It's called Crash Bang Wallop. Ooh. And every episode takes a different disaster that they talk about in quite a funny way. Now, they're not all like gory disasters or natural disasters. They're, like there's an episode on um, Gerald Ratner, you know, when he said his jewellery was crap. And mm-hmm. there's an episode um, on El Dorado. Um, but there's also about like natural disasters. And th- there's one that's quite harrowing about the Princess Victoria steamboat that um, that uh, sank in the Thames in the 1800s. But they're really funny and really interesting. So, yeah, Crash Bang Wallop. Go and have a listen. You know what? That's another one. Uh, I'm going to whack into my podcatcher. So I tell you what, Bart. Really, guys, Phil Jared, one of the hosts. He's my support act on tour. He's uh, so funny. You're ne- nepotism, pumping your friends, pimping your friends. Absolutely. Pimping. I do genuinely love the podcast, which is one of the reasons why he's my support act. <laughs> mm. Do you ever listen to Mid Atlantic? Uh no. <laughs> I've got it lined up, Royf. I genuinely have. You're such a big liar. (laughs) Listen, I tell you one person who's always truthful and honest with me. It's our Dusty. It's Dusty Substances. Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, the wrong source of listener. Several years ago, there was the 8 millionth anniversary episode of The Archers. And Vanessa Whitburn promised us that it was going to shake Ambridge to the core. And as we probably all remember, it was poor old Nigel being flung off the roof of Lower Loxley. Well, um, it angered and alienated listeners in their tens of thousands, I suspect. But I don't recall it actually shocking Ambridge to the core at the time. So then we have to spool forward a number of years and we're seeing Lower Loxley going seriously tits up really we've got freddie in prison we've got lily uh, sort of throwing herself away on some wastrel lecturer or lecturer whichever um and elizabeth not coping and i don't know that this is shocking ambridge to the core either i mean it's clearly the sort of scenario that was planned when nigel was thrown off the roof um freddie going to prison probably shocked Ambridge, but not to the core. Hardly anybody knows about Lillian Russ, so very few people are being shocked about that. But even being charitable, if it was going to shock Ambridge to the core, 
was it worth sacrificing Nigel for? And my feeling is that it wasn't, and I'm still quite pissed off about it. So um, that's sort of the musings I've had this week, really. Uh, I think that's it. Anyway, love to everyone, and speak to you soon. Bye! I love Archers fans. I love us because we can, after eight years, still feel angry about the loss of a character. And I love that about us. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't think I'll be betraying too many confidences to say that um, Graham, who played Nigel, is still somewhat miffed um, about not only the fact that he uh, was uh, unceremoniously dumped or something say dropped, but also the way that he went out as well. So there was no way back because yeah. you know, he was totally a beloved character and he uh, put his heart and soul into Nigel and completely identified with him. I must admit, I was never a Nigel fan. For me, he was always Billy Bunter, but I appreciate that I'm in a minority of one on that and everybody but else. I, yeah, I'm not because I'm with you, but that's because we have these working class chips on our shoulder and people like Nigel just piss me off just by existing and the, 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 but the thing is though um because i've spoken to graham um a couple of times and he's a died in the wall lefty you know and he says yeah. i know just as the way that i speak you know it kind of uh completely and utterly uh trips people up but like he's uh i wouldn't quite call him as red as as uh as corbin but he's uh he's on the spectrum he's definitely on the spectrum <laughs> you know what barnsley bear Last week, you did. You were leading the workers' revolution on this podcast, weren't you? It's what I do, boy. Are you like you were, you were pulling me into a place where my my middle of the road sensibilities were just being completely and utterly compromised, and you made me, you know, admit a whole load of stuff. So, um, because of that, we had an email, didn't we? Because we upset yeah. our Chris Leckie. So, um, can you read out some of the the choice bits of his uh, rather long email? The gist of the email is basically, so to recap, last last time I was on, you sort of, well, let's say you questioned my working class credentials because I grew up listening to the Archers. So you thought that wasn't a very working class thing to do. And as Chris Leckie points out in his email, mm. said he spent his childhood in the 60s and 70s in a tiny flat in Liverpool with no disposable income in his family and the Archers as a soundtrack to it all, along with other Radio 4 programmes. You know, so I think... The Radio 4 is something that working class people listen to because it's something that's free and accessible to everyone and that can just be on in the background. And also particularly for aspirational working class people, because let's not forget that working class doesn't mean stupid, you know, and, and people like to learn and it's a good free way to learn from, I, from I, I couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. And, now he and, did this email. There's parts of his email. Let's take this a bit of a time, right? Okay. Otherwise, it's going to end up with me talking for five minutes, uh, trying to um, answer all the points of his email. Let's do it one at a time, and I'm answering you too. It, okay. One of the things which I find totally fascinating about about class is the invisible barriers, and those barriers are as much put by by us as they are by in inverted commas the system and, and i don't want to get too marxist about the way of which uh people and communities are segregated from information from access because we sell, we do it as well and yeah. and maybe my situation 
I wouldn't say it was that atypical, but coming from immigrant parents and they were very working class, it wasn't that we thought that Radio 4 wasn't for us. We didn't even know it existed. And and that, I think, is kind of quite fascinating about when you look at issues to do with, with class and access to information and aspiration. We just did not know there was a channel like that. I wonder if that stems from, so, for example, I think of my my grandmother on my dad's side, who was born and raised in Deptford in South East London, very working class. She was born to a single parent family in 1916, just her and her mum, you know, left school at 14, had to work, all, all of that stuff. But she loved the radio. And, of course, in those times you didn't have TV. The wireless was what you had. And then eventually the, was it the home service came out of, uh, Radio 4 came out of the home service. So the home service was what you would, when you didn't have a TV, what would you you would have in the background when you were in a working class home. And I think that just got passed on through the generation. So therefore my dad was used to having it in the background. So we always had it in the background. And then that's passed on to me. So I think it's, whereas if your parents came from a different background and your grandparents came from a different, so that wouldn't have been passed down that line. Do you see what I mean? No, no, I, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know that's a a very astute observation that we came from a different cultural tradition and you know there was no home service and whatever um there was another little line about that chris said without going through the whole email about uh like a love of books and things like that and actually what my parents did do and all of my friends we all had library cards and my mother would send me down to the library whether I wanted to go there or not every Saturday and tell me to get a book you know yeah. I was a voracious reader I used to read to the point where my dad would go get your nose out the bloody book I haven't spoken to you for a day <laughs> <laughs> no well, it's a right that, that libraries did um give um working class communities um a leg up. I was listening to a really good interview with David Lammy, who is coming on to Mid Atlantic. I'll, I'll have you know, uh, oh, very soon. Yeah, I used to live in his constituency. And yeah. one thing which he said, which I thought, huh, and he talks about the lack of uh, social mobility now, because that that that's the one thing which is really kind of calcified in the last thirty years is that. Um, it's harder if you're a working class to move up the, the social grade, so to speak, and to get yeah. those uh, white collar jobs harder. Not impossible, but it's much harder. And yeah. he said, we need to bring back government funded night schools. You know, if you're a yeah. working person, how the heck can you then uh, work, but then go and learn um, a new trade, a new profession and then progress? And he says, we need to do that. Uh, it's bad enough when you're 18 you know the, the the cost of an education now it means you really have to think about whether you can afford it mm. which is something my generation didn't have to think about as, as somebody who worked you know the job I do I feel incredibly privileged to do the job that I do um and what really annoys me is that I see it all the time because I didn't start doing stand-up comedy until I was 33 and people say why is that and I said because I couldn't afford to until that point I didn't have 
you know, parents who could support me while I went off to the Edinburgh Festival every year and fannied about and, you know, did all that thing. And, and what we're not doing anymore is allowing for working class artists because it used to be in the 70s and 80s, you know, young be it comedians, artists, actors, whatever, could come from a working class background because they could be on benefits while they learn their craft and then be professionals, you know. But now, in order to be a professional, you need to have money to start with to do the training, to be the professional. There's no support from the state to allow you. So unless you're already rich or your parents are already rich, you you just can't do it. And that's what makes me so angry because I'm lucky that I, I did start doing it in my 30s when I did get to a situation where I could afford to and support myself. But, but I've been very lucky that um, it's happened quite quickly for me that I can now make a you know decent living out of what I do. But I'm not the, you know, that's not the normal story for people coming in to entertainment. You know, and that's why there's so many entertainment people in entertainment from a middle class background, because they have the parents that can support them for all those years when you're not making any money, of which there are many. Mm. Uh, listen, um, I couldn't agree with that more. My friend told me a story the other day. He did a, a journalism course and said that one of the guys on the course was someone whose his dad was a publish a magazine publisher and had just given him this magazine to edit as a job. And he realised he didn't know anything about editing magazines, so had to come do a journalism course to learn how to do it, but knew he, he was going to come out of this beginner's journalism course as a magazine editor. Mm. You know, it's stuff like that's what you're dealing Barnsley with. In a Bear, we've been too, we've been, we're two red Marxist communists, and, like, we're talking about our bucolic English soap. The archers. <laughs> you do this to me every week. It's like let's man the barricades. Come the revolution. That <laughs> <laughs> Marxist. You know, I'm quite. I'm. You know, I, I, I'm not that left. I'm like I am. I am. Who am I kidding? Quite left. <laughs> um, I'm just, just one, I'm the new thing. I'm just going to do this one last little line from what Chris Lecky said because I took great umbrage at this, Mr. Well, Lecky. I know what line you're gonna <laughs> I thought of you when I read it it's not right to pigeonhole poor people by assuming everybody from from the perceived lower classes only listens to commercial radio stations playing intellect free dance music and invented snobbery is what holds us back haven't you just displayed your own inverted snobbery there Mr Leckie uh, massively so as somebody who was brought up on a diet of reggae soul all which are danceable types of music, though you're probably not the types of dance music you you were knocking. But then, as somebody who cut my teeth playing early nightmares on wax, went all the way through to playing um, things like Aphex Twin, I'll challenge anybody to say that somebody like Aphex Twin, Cataranda, etc., is intellect free dance music. So we all do it. We all display our own snobbery. Uh, let's move on. Let's get back to the archers. Uh, come the revolution. I'll be there with my sister, one Angela Barnes at Come the Revolution. Right now, here's another revolutionary. It's somebody who quite likes you. It's Glyn Fuller Love. Hello, Dum to Dum. It's Glyn here. Uh, first of all, may I thank. Uh, Angela Barnes for standing in for Lucy last week and uh, what a great standing she was. Although I'm not sure she should really be encouraging elderly pensioners to take class A drugs. 
um, <laughs> concept of my 86-year-old mother and say cocaine is just so frightening. I really don't want to go there. So let's talk about the archers instead. Uh, I'm afraid I think there are well, just too many storylines in the archers at the moment which means that none of the potentially great storylines, such as the fall of the House of Pargita, are being properly developed, and we're spending you know, far too long on the Canterbury Tales or Roy and Lexi. And on Roy and Lexi, um, I've been trying to find some reason for this storyline being in place at all. Um, you know, Roy is not really a central character in the archers the rest of the tuckers have been written out um so you know the fact that he might be dumped by somebody um in the old um, it's not me it's you uh, sorry it's not you it's me uh, way is really not that interesting so hopefully there is something more to this maybe in lexi's past there's a connection with the bulgarian equivalent of the mafia who managed to get her into the UK in the first place, although, you know, freedom of movement, that doesn't seem very likely. But maybe there's something there that she's, you know, been subjected to while she's been back in Bulgaria in the last few months, and that's um, that's why she feels she needs to break up with Roy. Anyway, thanks again for the podcast. Uh, keep it up, and wishes to everybody in Dumpty Dumland. You know, uh, Glyn does raise an interesting point that, Purely from a plotting point of view, this storyline with Lexi has to take some kind of um, significant turn. Because if it doesn't, why have we had it? Point. Yeah. What I don't really understand is why she hasn't just gone back to Bulgaria. Why does she stay and get a job and do all those things? Well, I suppose she's still trying to get up the duff, isn't she? Oh yeah, I suppose that I just none of it. Just I don't buy any of it, really. Well, I know, and and I've been banging on about this for months, but I. So the the actor that plays Lexi, she's great, and I actually think she's been underserved by by the character of Lexi at the moment. But but to be fair, you could say that about maybe 70% of the actors that play characters on, on the archers in that yeah. they have a better range, you know. Um, the the characters which are truly 3D and get stretched, uh, you know, it, it is the top 30%. It's, you know, it's, it's Charles Collingwood that plays Brian. It's Jennifer. Yeah. It's, you know, it's those. And then... Central families, isn't it? Exactly. You have to an Aldridge, really. Exactly. Um, but... If she doesn't get pregnant and just ends up going back to Bulgaria, well, what has been the point? And unless she's been put there as some kind of plot device for Roy to move in an, an unexpected direction. But he's such a secondary character, as Glyn says. I couldn't help thinking that she was put there as a sort of, we'd better put in this Eastern European character because then we can use her as a, a sort of filter for whatever happens with Brexit. Yeah, you know, I used to think that. And and there was also the fact that back in Roy's teenage past, you know, he was a, a bit of a, a xenophobe, wasn't he, and stuff yeah. when Usher came. So you thought, well, if you have a long enough vintage, like 20 years plus, you've seen Roy uh, kind of mature, he's still 
you know, a bit wary of strangers, but then he's fallen in love with uh, this woman from abroad. But I don't know. I'm, I'm clutching at straws. I, I think if you look at if you look at what Roy has been through in the last four years, um, he's had his fam he's had his family leave him because he had an affair with Elizabeth, of which there's little follow through on now. Yeah. Right. For either character, Elizabeth seems to have just forgotten all about it. It's had no lasting effect on Roy. Uh, yeah. Though, um, I suppose, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just very unsatisfied about, it's a storyline I don't believe in, the surrogacy. I don't believe that Lexi would have fallen for Roy. I, ne- I never, there was for me, there's no on-air chemistry between them. They introduced that thing that they were both really into horror novels or something stupid, wasn't it? Just to, because it was so, they had to, it was like they had to give a reason why these two, because it was so unbelievable. Yeah, and wasn't she reading them to help her English and, and whatever? And like, and Kirsty was helping her with her English, which introduced her to Roy. And I just, the whole, uh, let's just move on. I just, I can't do it. I can't, I, just, <laughs> I, I can't expend any more brain matter on two characters of which I, I I don't have a problem with each character, but them as a union has never made any sense to me. Anyway, no. let alone the surrogacy. So it's poop upon poop as far as I'm concerned. Uh, right, wow. now, uh, we've been talking for 54 minutes. Uh, by the time we've edited this, uh, probably get it down to a tight 53. Uh, it's only one minute worth of flab in this. It's been a tight show, Barnsley Bear. I think... Uh, we should take five, come back the other side, which basically means you might hear an ad. And if you don't, you'll hear me just say, and now it's time for Millie Bell. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good day, everyone. It's Millie Bell here with your social media roundup. And earlier in the week, we were talking about the advice that Tom gave Roy and just wondering where the line is between pursuing your love hopes and harassment. 
And it obviously got Jeff Mason thinking because he said, I've listened to The Archers since a child in the 50s and it was always interesting and relevant to my life. But over the last few years, I've drifted away because the storylines no longer reflect the world I recognise. And I live in a semi-rural area surrounded by open country. So if you don't want to listen to The Archers, Jeff, keep listening to Dumpty Dum because we will keep you up to date. Lillian McCarthy said that uh, Tom giving Roy advice was a little bit like taking advice about cooking from Ruth. Good point. Well made, Lillian. And Witherspoon suggested that if Roy did suggest that he'd be willing to move to Bulgaria to be with Lexi, it's entirely possible that Lexi would be open to that. However, my favourite was Sean Garrity, who said, I usually stop when she takes out an injunction. Well, that's very good advice for all of us. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, we also talked about um, whether we should have a book on whether Brian lasts the week or not. And that reminded us all that we've been thinking about whether... Um, Charles Collingwood is going to leave sooner rather than later, so go and have a look at that thread. And Glyn Fuller Love let us know that BBC Sounds are asking on Twitter which podcast makes you laugh out loud, and we encouraged all the Dumpty Tummers to start tweeting, so I hope that you did that, and I don't think it's too late if you'd like to do that now. Um, We also talked about Linda, who hectors and bullies everyone, and why does anyone agree to be involved in the Christmas production, and I have to say, I am a fan of the Christmas production. I love how they've been putting them on as an extra thing on um, Radio 4 each year. But thinking about an actual person in an actual village, I don't know why anybody puts up with it. Uh, Martin van den Heuvel said, because nobody is allowed to use rude language on the radio between 7pm and 7.15, and that gives Linda the opportunity to really release her inner carabos and no villager dares to sabotage her actions. Franklin Habit said, in person, she is irresistible. She is Venus, she is Dido, she is Cleopatra, Helen, Beyonce. And Franklin, you might be the only person that thinks that. Katie Taylor said, I really dislike Linda and the sniff. I surely can't be the only one. And it turned out that Katie was not the only one. And Fusty Gassett said, because they, and by extension, we love her. John May thought it might be the roar of the grease paint and the smell of the crowd. Uh, and Marie Harry said, I'm afraid there's no way I'd do anything to help her out. She's far too smug and self-satisfied. And I must admit, I don't think I would respond. I love acting. I'm right into Amdram. But if someone bossed me around the way she did, I'd just be avoiding like that big time. So talking of Linda, we did wonder what part she has in the tales. It was let slip, but we didn't get told what part she has. And Paul Schlurs said, the double role of Queen Guinevere and the old woman in The Wife of Bath's Tale, both characters set the hero impossible tasks and then manip- manipulate him for their own purposes. Seems about right. But my favourite one was from Rob Williams, who said he thinks she's going to be the red-hot poker in the Miller's Tale. Um, well, let's hope not for her sake. <laughs> We had a long discussion about Lily and her future. And, of course, we are all wondering whether she's going to come and take over uh, at uh, Lower Loxley and help out her mother. It's all a bit sad because uh, it would be really good if more females had strong roles and were able to go to university and not have to come back to save their families. But Zoe Tyler reminded us that she could defer for a year, move back to Lower Loxley, um, and bring Russ, who hopefully will vanish after she starts insisting he works on the events. So I think uh, there was a general consensus that getting Russ to do anything would mean he would disappear, and we all wanted that. Um, 
And Pete Liggin said, I think the problems at Lower Loxley are the ladder that Lily needs to climb down from the Russ uni situation. She's far too stubborn to say to Elizabeth or herself that the reality of living with Russ doesn't live up to her fantasy, but leaving uni and Russ to save Lower Loxley is the perfect face saver. Hmm, yeah, yeah, I think you could be right there. Uh, finally, just to let you know that although I'm not going to make this a regular uh, spot as uh, Yoko Bear has, nevertheless, I have posted up a map, a possible map for you all to look at. So if you would like to go to Facebook, there is a map that shows all of the pretend places, the fic- you know, fictional locations around uh, the UK. And I'm pleased to say, very pleased to say that Ambridge is on there. And thank you to Lucy Mellon, who put us onto that. So another great week uh, on Facebook. And we'd love you to come join us. We've had a few people saying that they're first time Facebookers with us. And a few people saying that they have found Dumpty Dum and how much they're enjoying it. So please come and uh, join our family on Facebook. And until I speak to you in a fortnight, hooroo. That map is all levels of genius. Have you seen it? No, what's this? So it's a map of fake Britain. It was originally produced in the Londonist. I've had it tweeted to me for Map Corner at least four times in the last week. And it's it's a map of the UK uh, with all the fake places like Wolford. So Wolford is in London. Oh, right. And then so you have uh, Ambridge and then you also have Borsetshire and Felpersham. You know, it's all this at Middlemarch. Middlemarch is in the middle of the country. So it's every dramatic and literary uh, fictional town um, that I think the map maybe could think of, which you could safely map and say that it's, you know. So like Weatherfield is obviously where Coronation Street is. It's kind of in Manchester. It's all there. It's all there. It's very, very, very good. Very good. So thank you for people who have uh, uh, hashtag map cornered that to me. And it's good to good to see that it ended up on the Facebook page. Now, do you know what I've got right. in my hand, Royfield? Mm? Do you know what I've got in my hand? I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little bit worried. Go on. What you got in your hand? I've got my first snowball of the season. Matt's oh, be a snowball. I'm so happy. Well, off mic at the start of the show, and you said you were about to have your first snowball. I thought, is the weather that bad? Yeah. And then you, and then yes, but it's a bit of the advocard drink from from the nineteen seventies. It is. I love it. I used to love a snowball. We're going to do our Christmas tree in a minute. Isn't it a little bit early for that? Well, it is. Usually, I wouldn't do it before December, and we're currently two days before December. However. I'm so busy that tonight's the only night we can do it. And then I'm chewing up my time with this nonsense. That's all right. You know I love it. Hey, Barnsley Bear. Uh, you've got no tweets of the week, have you? Uh, well, I actually have. Oh, good heavens. Do you want to oh. I just picked out a couple of tweets that I liked. A couple, two. Two. I, well, three. I've got three. All right, good. Go for it. Okay, so I've got, um, I'm just trying to work out what, oh, yeah, okay, it's quite a nice one. Uh, from at, Fe- at Felix underscore keeps underscore on. It says, all joking aside, at what point is, in what, oh, God, I've balls that out. Let me say that again. <laughs> all joking aside, at what point in a new relationship do you bring up the fact you stabbed your ex? <laughs> True. It, it's, it's a tricky one. Uh, then I've got, um, oh, and I can't, I've written this down. I can't read my. Righty here. Oh, at Greavesy E17. Good old, uh, that's Derek Fletcher, isn't it? 
absolutely is. Yeah. He says, time for a spot of eco-friendly tweet recycling. He said, sorry, Roy, Lexit means Lexit. I actually thought he was talking about me for a second. (laughs) Roy, not Roy, Roy. (laughs) And then my favourite one was from at Smart Giles. It says, I hope when Lily dumps Russ, she wedges his todger down the spout of the free temperature kettle and boils it slowly through all the settings. (laughs) (laughs) We can all agree with that one. Is that it? Is, Is that all of our tweets? That's all of the tweets. They're, right. they're the three. Of now, considering that we said this was going to be a quickie of a show because you had no monologue and you had we plenty had to do at seven o'clock, which was um, <laughs> 18 minutes ago, I best crack on with the end of this show and say to folks, go to dumdedum.com, go there. It's got a shop and it's got some other stuff. It's like got the forum. You can listen to past shows. You can post, You can even post a comment on a past show. So that's dumdedum.com. Go there, folks. It's awesome. Now, Patreon. Patreon is a way which you can support our wonderful endeavour because uh, Lucy and I and Robert and Angela all have gold-plated uh, microphones that need to be upgraded to <laughs> platinum ones. So send us some cash, folks. Go on to patreon.com. We only need, we only ask for $2 per show. Now, uh, in the past, um, a listener says, this sounds dodgy. Why do you want dollars for a UK-based podcast? Quite simply, it's because Patreon is an American platform and that is the only currency which they deal in. So you don't need dollars, folks. All you need to do is just sign up and they will take the equivalent $2 out of your English pounds. So don't let that put you off. Go on to patreon.com and support this wonderful endeavour because um, Angela has a, a chauffeur that brings her to the studio and that she needs to pay so she can actually do dum-de-dum. So do... Patreon subscriber. Well, that's a bit peculiar, considering that you live off the fat of Patreon as well. That's rather peculiar. <laughs> I do. I basically pay my own way. Yeah, there's some clever creative accountancy going on there, and I think <laughs> the inland revenue need to look at your books, madam. Anyway, <laughs> uh, folks, this show um, isn't just a Royfield, Lucy, Angela, Robert, and soon to be. Kerry Warbis show. Oh no, sorry, Bob. This show is all about you. So we need you to get in contact with us, and you can do that by sending us a, mes- a message, as opposed to a message via Speakpipe. And you can go to dumdum.com to do that, or you can call us on zero two zero three zero three one three one zero five to leave us a message on a phone-enabled device. Mm. Now on Twitter, social media, you can find us where we are at Dumdum. Lucy is at Lucy V Freeman. I Royfield is at Royfield. I think Kerry Warbis is at Kerry Warbis, uh, and Robert is at Naked Fingers. And you, Angela, can be found how at Angela Barnes. Oh, nice and simple. And uh, of course, there is the Millie Bell Yokel Bear and with a spoon show which is facebook go on to facebook and have jolly japes there now angela barnes uh yeah. half of that communist manifesto stuff in the middle of the show will probably make the make the cutting room four fair enough <laughs> <laughs> now um just before you run off because we might not yeah. be seeing you for a couple of weeks. I don't know. Maybe we'll see you over Christmas. You've got a very busy schedule. You are the rock star guest presenter of the Dum De Dum Experiment. Uh, uh, speaking of which, can I do a little plug? I'm, I'm I Another one. Another one. Another one. Just while I'm here. Next go year, on. I'm going to tour all over the country. And the tickets go on sale very soon. If you go to my website, Angela Barnes Comedy, 
yeah, angelabarnescomedy.co.uk and sign up to my mailing list. I'll let you know when the ticket's on sale. I don't spam people. I send out about three messages a year. That's it. So go and sign up if, if you're interested in coming to see me on tour. I've seen you on tour. And you were rather funny. I had a, a right old time. There was a little uh, dum-de-dum deputation that came. Well, we should try and do that again. In fact, um, I am doing, I can't say it yet because it's not 100% um, uh, confirmed, but I will be hopefully doing a show in a venue in London this year that I am worried is too big. So um, if we can get a load of to that, I'll, uh, I'll do a little special offer on tickets and we'll get all the dumpty dummers along that great good well that sounds like like a plan and a half uh so instead of you coming out with something deep and meaningful maybe quirky funny and insightful as lucy does at the end of the show you just decided to have a blatant plug yeah absolutely 100 percent. why do you think i'm here i've got tickets awesome. to shift mate <laughs> <laughs> Angela Barnes, Barnsley Bear, uh, we'll see you again soon. Um, thank, thank you, you for the last two weeks. Oh, listen, uh, we love having you on. You take care, you. Okay, dear listener, that's us saying goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.